Welcome to the Making Sense of Ministry podcast, presented to you by the Youth Ministry Institute, a podcast designed to help you lead well in your ministry, transform lives, and impact generations. Hey, friends, welcome back to the Making Sense Ministry podcast. I'm Brian here again with Kirsten. Hey, everyone. It's so good to have you with us this morning and or this afternoon. I guess I don't know what time you're listening to this. Whenever you're listening to this, um, it's good to have you here back with us. Today, Kirsten and I are excited to have back with us the founder of the Youth Ministry Institute, former executive director and Kansas Jayhawks super fan, I think, particularly after the March Madness, Steve Schneeberger. Welcome back, Steve. Hey, it's great to be here. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. <laughs> so when we're recording this for all you wondering, they had just won this week. And so, um, so it was a big, big week for them, uh, in March Madness. Uh, and if you, if you're new to us, Steve, like I said, is the founder of the youth ministry Institute, but he now he's recently moved, um, I guess last fall now at this point in time, moved out wow. to, out to the Midwest, um, where he now serves as the lead director of student ministries across all locations for Church of the Resurrection, which is um, the largest United Methodist church in the country. So, Steve, I'm just curious, how's the move been? How's the weather? Did you learn anything new in this transition about yourself or about ministry? Or How's the move and weather? That's, that's great. Well, so the move was like epic. I loaded up my Hyundai Sonata everything that I thought that I would need over the next two years and drove two days across country, 1,023 miles from my house to the house that I'm in now. I'm living with my cousin. Um, so she, they've given me a room, which means I've got a 12 by 12 room. It feels like a dorm room. It's like college all over again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it, the whole thing is like college. So yeah, it's been funny. Um, so I'm about 25 minutes from the, the main location of the church uh, where I'm supposed to have an office, but these lead directors, there's five of us that are lead directors across all locations, and uh, it's a new um, position for all five people. And so therefore, there's not an office for any of us. And um, so all of my books and things that would normally go in an office are still stacked up in a room someplace at the church. And so I don't have an office either. <laughs> so I've got a dorm room, no office. Yeah. So, so you ask how the move is. Here, here's what I'm here's what I'm hearing is is one, you need one of those little rolling carts that teachers have so you can move around. But all your stuff. Uh-huh. And and two, even if you're at the largest United Methodist church in the country, there may be a time where you don't have an office. So if you're at a yeah. small church and you don't have an office, Steve get you. Yeah. yeah. You're like winning. Yeah. Yeah, I operate out of a backpack. I have my computer in my backpack, and and that's I, but I'm mobile. I can go to any location, anytime, um, and then land someplace. Um, so you, I have a comfy chair that I like the best in this one room, and that's where I am mostly. Man, it is. You are reliving your college days, living in like a dorm, yes. and your backpack carrying around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just for clarification for the listeners. Um, my family is still in Orlando, Florida, uh, and we're all okay. We're all happy. I'm happily married still, um, but my uh, two youngest are junior and senior in high school, and um, and I just didn't feel like it was fair to pull them out of high school and put them into a brand new environment. Um, and it's been great for them to finish out there. Um, my son, who's graduating next month, has had a really great senior year. Um, oh. Everything about it has been like like picture perfect other than me not being there. Uh, but for him, it's been great. Um, and so, and then my other son, who's a junior, um, likewise, he's a water polo player. There's no water in uh, Kansas or Missouri and maybe nowhere in the Midwest. <laughs> so he needed to stay there just for that reason alone. And so, so that's it, a, that's a warm weather out. sport right there. Yeah. Well, ironically, all the high schools and middle schools have indoor pools here. So I don't know why they don't have teams as well. The swim swimming is a big deal, but. Wow. So. Yeah. You would think if they have that inside pool that they could do that. Huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was watching college, college hockey 
uh, this morning on SportsCenter, and there was the Frozen Four, which I didn't know was a thing. So I guess it's like their final four, but it's the Frozen Four. So and it was Minnesota, Minnesota State, Michigan, and then I forget the fourth team, but they're all teams that you figured would be colder, so they're probably going to have hockey. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So it's going well, though. The job is great. Um, I love uh, my colleagues. I love um, my team that I get to work with. Um, it's uh, it's been really, really, really super fun. So um, the, just the challenge of being far away from family has has been the biggest challenge for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have you been shopping? Get all the warm clothes now that you're up there with snow and getting to layer again. See, those things sound fun to me. Yeah. 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 Actually having seasons again, uh, it's been, it's, it's been a minute since I've lived in uh, Kansas on a regular basis. And, uh, so having seasons is a big deal. And so I had to go out and buy some, uh, boots from REI, um, for, you know, cold and snow and all Mm -hmm. that. And, and I've, I really, I enjoy seasons, So it's been great. Um, I like driving in, bad conditions, which is weird, I know, but like driving on ice is, it's challenging and, you know, a little bit of an adrenaline rush for me. So that's been, that's been okay too. Um, yeah, it's kind of fun. I'm with you on that one. I, in Ohio, I always kind of enjoyed it. My wife hated it, but I always kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. So the, and it hasn't been a bad winter. We've had like four or five, uh, storms and then you know they it's storms and snows or sleets and uh in three days it's all melted off and gone so you know that's that's not a big deal yeah which this seems like a perfect segue to say now that we've talked about the cold winter and the snow today we're going to talk about summer ministry because whether (laughs) you're ready or not friends summer is coming um and it is something we need to to be considering if we haven't uh, already. But before we get into uh, all the questions and conversation today, uh, we want to share with you that we are recruiting and rolling now for our fall certification cohort launch. This is a ministry certification uh, for both youth and, believe it or not, this is brand new. So hang in there. It's exciting news. Children's ministers as well. So you can get a youth Woo-hoo! or children's ministry certification or both if you would like, if you're ambitious enough. Um, and that that launches this fall, uh, and so we're enrolling now, and space is very limited, so make sure uh, that you get in contact with us. Now, just going to be honest with you, this is not a certification where you pay us money and we just give you a certification. This is an 18-month program designed to make you a better leader um, and to give you fundamentals to lead strong ministries. So if that interests you, uh, be sure to check this out. Head to yminstitute.com certification or check the show notes uh, for more information. All right, summer ministry, friends. As you think about summer ministry, what comes to mind? Like, what's the initial pictures that come to your mind when you think about ministry in the summer? Trips and camps. Trips mm-hmm. and camps. <laughs> my book Mission bag. Trips. My book bag, yeah. carrying it around when it's way too heavy and carrying other people's stuff in it. That's what. <laughs> that's that's what I think of. Um, and uh, and hot weather. Although maybe that's because we're in Florida, but um, yeah. yeah. Oh no, it's it's wickedly hot in Kansas. Yeah, um, yeah, over a hundred degrees in uh, July and August, and yeah, it's it's like you're in an oven. I always wanted to figure out how you could do a mission trip. Like, well, I know you could do spring break, but like in February, which I guess you couldn't go everywhere because it's snowing. But like in the heat, when you're out there working on mission trips, you're like, how can we do this when it's not so hot? But I guess that's just part of it. And we always know the breakdown is coming, right? On those mission trips, everybody's hot and cranky and tired. And by day two or three, there's somebody's going to have a breakdown. <laughs> so Wednesday be ready for, for us. Was, yes. I was like, and we've hit the day, right? When you get in that middle week, I'm like, we are tired. You've been around each other for a long time. Your fuse is shorter. Here we are. <laughs> Here's some extra Gatorade or Propel. Drink some more of this and go sit in the AC for a few minutes. <laughs> so do you like do you guys love summer ministry? Or is it something you dread? Like, how do you feel about, about summer ministry as a whole as you think about your time in ministry? So it was always an, an adrenaline rush for me because it also meant hiring 
some college students to help me out, and um, and they injected their own uh, enthusiasm into the summer and their own ideas, and um, and it created a different rhythm um, mm. of like just the daily rhythm or the weekly rhythm was different. And um, I saw more kids, spent more time with kids and I uh, got to know them better at a deeper level and uh, got to ask deeper questions because I was with them more often. And um, so, yeah, I, I loved, loved, loved the summer. Now this summer, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but a little bit with trepidation. Mm, why, why do you say that? What does trepidation mean to you in this yeah. in this context? Yeah. That's a big word. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> More than one syllable. Um, yeah, I just I'm a little like I don't know. Um, well, already we've like our church we we use 2019 numbers to project what we would have involved mm-hmm. in terms of uh, mission trips and camp and all of that and. Um, and we're not meeting those numbers. We're not even close. Um, yeah. So I'm like, gosh, what? Yeah. And then we think about it. It's been three years since we've done an overnight out of town trip, at least in our context, and maybe many people's across the country. Um, and uh, and so kids are, uh, young people are out of the habit of, of going on these things. Pa- families are out of the habit of budgeting for them and making time uh, for them. Uh, probably there's a lack of value as to what this brings to, you know, the lives of young people as they're growing and maturing in their faith um, because they haven't been doing it. Um, So all of those things have kind of gone into that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this summer, but then I'm like a little, like, I guess depressed, you know, would be a good word because it's not going to be what we thought, it was going to be, it's definitely not going to be what it's been in the past. And it's going to take a lot of work to build up um, credibility and culture and all of those things you need to, you know, be entrusted with young people for longer than a week. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, When for students, a lot of life has happened, right? In three years, you think a lot has changed for them of thinking about that for adults, maybe not as much, but particularly for students. And then, you lived off, you know, I think for many of us, we lived off momentum of what we had built. And now you're back in rebuilding mode um, to some degree, I think no matter where you are. Um, And there's a different type of energy that that requires um, versus living off some of already the momentum that is built. So I, I mean, that makes sense to me. I mean, I think that's a critical piece for, for maybe for all of us to remember is the first time you did an event, you had to work really hard to sell it. Yes. And you probably aren't going to have the numbers you're, you would have had the third year or fourth year of doing it because, you know, as you do it each successive year, people have a good experience. Then they tell other people and want to be involved and in, you don't have to work as hard to sell it. Mm-hmm. But three years, if you think about, it, especially if you run high school ministry only or middle school, like they're out of the middle school ministry, they're almost out of the high school ministry if they were a freshman by this point. So you almost have a crop of people who have never potentially experienced um, what you're doing. And so, yeah, yeah. Selling it is really hard and the numbers, yeah, probably aren't going to be what they would maybe two years, three years down the road when they've had this great experience and, and will help you sell it to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's when you're in it, it's hard to remember. Though. It doesn't it feel good. And, and I think you have your own expectations, right? There's this almost this, Hey, we're back. So like, I want to be back full force versus, Hey, we're back. And now we're building again. And then managing, I think other people's expectations of we're back. Why doesn't look like what it used to look like. And I think that's heavy as you carry that. So um, being, having compassion to yourself, but also being able to help shape other people's expectation. It's just another layer right now. I'm rebuilding and I'm also having to recommunicate expectations. It's a lot. So I think we'll have to have Steve back you back after the end of the summer to hear how you feel to see if you still use that same word or not. Maybe you may use a shorter word like it was great. <laughs> oh, well, right. That's the plan, right? You, yep. you, you make it an incredible. I mean, the quality is still going to be there. Um, so yeah. it, if the number of people participating isn't. And so mm-hmm. there's going to be enthusiasm and momentum that comes from that. And so we've we've been telling ourselves, okay, it's just not going to be number wise what it, what we thought it was going to be, but the experience is going to be fantastic. 
And, um, and then, then we build on that momentum as we kind of go into the fall and into next summer. And yeah. so hopefully that's mm-hmm. all plays out. Yes. I hope I can say it's going to, it was great. I had uh, very early on in ministry. I don't even know where I heard this probably was somebody famous. I don't know, but somebody told me, or I picked up somewhere like right at the very beginning, that you have to have to do the character to do for three, what you would do for 300. And if you don't, yes. then you should just quit. Um, and, and so that, that always stuck with me, especially on the times where things were not as attended as I would have liked them to have been. Um, Kirsten, how about you? Do you, do you love summer ministry? Do you dread it? Do you? I mean, I probably there's a little bit of a mix, but what I loved about summer ministry is the vibes shifts, right? Mm. The relaxation it's laid back. I think people are just in a different space and made for a lot more um, unplanned conversations, which I love. So there are things about that, that I'm like, I just really enjoyed and look forward to with summer um, mission trips. I'm like, I love them and they're exhausting. So like, like both, both are true. Um, but I always look forward to the summer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm that way. I, I really enjoy the summer um, because it, the rhythm was different uh, because I'm somebody who likes routine, but only to a point. Eventually I get bored of the routine. And so meeting every single week at the same time and, you know, we would change things up, but still it was kind of the same. So then you get to the summer and it was way different for me. My calendar was nothing like what it was in the school year. Um, and so for me, it was just a nice break that was different. Mm -hmm. So then I wouldn't be bored, (laughs) bored of it. And so the next school year I was ready to go, um, you know, back into the, to the rhythm and the routine. And I was ready for it by that point. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of a mixture of both. Yeah, when we did summer ministry, we would um, our regular small group leaders would have the summer off, and I always remember getting to the end of the summer being so ready to be back and doing ministry within that team again. And so I always found like, oh, because we would use different adults to do the different things during the summer, so there was a little bit more of come and go. Whereas your core adult leadership, and I was like, I'm so ready to be back in the team and to do ministry again every week with you guys. So um, I always look forward to that. Enjoy the summer and then look forward back to being back with the team. So your summers, did you all, did you tend to pack them full of stuff, scheduled events and and everything? Do you are the opposite where you just shut down for the summer or are you somewhere in between? Where, where have you all landed throughout your history and ministry knowing that maybe different now where you're at than it was maybe five years ago or whatever, but where have you all tended to land on how you scheduled out your ministry in the summer? I, I would pack it. Um, but that's historic for me. I mean, it, cause it was so much fun and, uh, we engaged so many people, um, and there, you know, people were coming and going with their own schedules as well. Uh, young people were, but yeah, packing it was a, a lot of fun. Um, but I, I'm realizing I was um, at a church in Winter Park last summer and uh, doing an interim gig for them uh, before coming uh, to Church of the Resurrection, and um, and uh, and they were telling me before the summer, you know, everybody leaves here; they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, everybody left. I mean, there were people that were weekly attenders that really just weren't available all summer. And wow. uh, some events, again, we're in the kind of in the middle of COVID still. So um, there was some hesitancy by families to, to get involved. And, and they actually hadn't met in person until like the last week in May. Um, uh, at least the youth ministry had not. And um, so... So that, so I, yeah, I think at that place, it was like, it's going to take a long time there for them to do summer activities that um, actually draw people because people are all gone. So this summer, I'm not, I think it might be the same uh, in Kansas city in terms of, uh, and again, people have gotten used to different rhythms and uh, Mm. have to build a different, a, a new culture about what summer is and, uh, what to expect from your church in the summer. So, yeah, so kind of interesting. I think you have to like pay attention to your context and figure out, okay, what's going to really work here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, 
Yeah, being able to do that, I think, is important. When I first started youth ministry and worked at a church, so 20 years ago, um, a little over 20 years ago, it was high-packed summer. Like, we went all summer long, to the point where I would say that probably wasn't the healthiest in the way that we ran. But I also think that was where youth ministry, part of that is what youth ministry looked like back then, where I would say um, another church that I worked at full-time, I got there, and they they were a snowbird church truly like I'd heard of those and I've worked in Florida for 20 years so like you you're around that but this church truly was a snowbird church so in the summer everything like shut down and I remember going there and they're like we really want to be a 12-month church and I thought well I thought that's what we were like I thought that's what church was (laughs) I didn't know that like like that was the new vision that they had and so it was like building back like could we do things the youth ministry would hardly do they would go on a trip, but that was really all they did during the summer. Um, so the first summer there, it was very different, but we got to be a part of like, what does that look like in a healthy space of having retreats and camps and not over programming and youth culture and church culture had shifted. So, um, I would say then I feel like we did a lot of activities, but we did it in a different way that felt a lot more family friendly than maybe I had done that in the past. Yeah. It's so funny because I actually landed the opposite of where you all landed. Um, I didn't shut down entirely, but boy, I didn't do much in the summer initially. Um, so it's several churches I was I was at, we would do just a couple things. Um, and actually a church plan I was at, we didn't have a history of summer camp or anything yet. So that was really just starting. So we didn't have like these things that you had to do every year that was expected. Um, but we do maybe two or three things in the summer and that was primarily it. And then I, I held on to that. And even the last church I was at, um, we did uh, three events in the summer and that was it. And that was summer camp mission trip and VBS. We would help with VBS and then we might meet up occasionally, uh, for things. But for me, I needed the summer to just shut down a little bit. And, and like you, Kirsten, you know, you said earlier, I would not all of our volunteers would be off all summer. They could come to things if they wanted, but it was never expected or pushed. Um, yeah, but that was where I landed uh, for a long time until, until one year when um, we brought on an intern and then eventually I had an associate. And so once that happened, then we shifted to, mm-hmm. to a summer that was packed, um, packed full. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just found I needed it. But then when I went to the pack summer, even though I had help, I was exhausted by the end of the summer. So I needed like two weeks to find a way to break before the school year started um, for my own my own health. So it's interesting that we have those different those different perceptions on how to use yeah. summer. Well, I think it's important, right? Pay attention to the culture of your church, pay attention to your own needs and styles of leadership. And really, I think the freedom there is it can look different in different contexts. And there's not like a way, there's not a right way to do summer ministry, um, which I think is really freeing. Like I would say now I serve part-time at our church as the youth minister, and we do our student ministry on Monday nights. Um, And so during the summer, we'll do different theme nights, but everything will be on Mondays so that they keep that day. Because if in this season where families and students are so busy, we try to be like, we'll do almost everything we do on Mondays. And then we do one summer trip. So it's different because part-time, but also it's a different rhythm than what I have done. So I'm like, almost in every church I've served, there's been a little different rhythm for summer. Um, that is true. Do you all find yourselves having intentions for the summer? Like when you think about summer ministry and you think about June and July or however long it goes, maybe beginning of August, is there, do you have a purpose behind it? Like, are you thinking I want it to look this way for a certain reason, or do you guys just program whatever has always been done or what's easiest? Like how, how have you guys approached summer in the past? So I, we're, we're going to theme our summer this summer and, and, uh, and I've done thematic elements at previous churches too. So our summer theme is summer playlist. So the idea of, uh, of what kinds of things do you want on your playlist, um, your playlist of life, right? Not just your musical playlist. And so, so what things are going to be of value to you that, um, that, uh, 
that I- impact you uh, for a lifetime? Uh, what, what do you choose to put on your playlist? And so, so you know, the events that we offer and the, the groups that, that we're offering, uh, we're hoping that uh, young people would choose to put on their playlist. So, so that's kind of our intention. So we're going to like play the playlist theme out uh, through our uh, trips as well. And, um, and try to have all of our devotional material kind of speak into that uh, all summer. Do you so, have a theme song? One thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd think we'd have a song for our playlist, but not yet. Uh, we're still in development stage. I mean, it is April, so you have time to get that together. For me, summers were um, the focus and purpose was about developing the who and relationships and connection. So that was the major piece. I'm like, that will be, that will create momentum for the rest of the year if students really can build those relationships deeper and have those experiences. So our student ministry during the summer, oftentimes were different theme nights that we did different things. Um, And it had a variety of that, but it also allowed for people to come and go and not feel like they were missing something and you could do it. But that was it. I was like, when we get to August and when we start, I want there to be a different unity and relational connection in our youth ministry. And if we can do that, that will set us up for the next year. Plus we would welcome new sixth graders at the beginning of the summer so they could spend that time with us. I'm also like, we're introducing a new class and I want them to build relationships. So everything, the purpose was relationships and building relationships and giving permission to be able to do that. So we did less discipleship during the summer and did a lot more relationship. Not that I think those are exclusive, but when people think about those and how you program. Yeah. Yeah. Initially mine was about rest for myself and the volunteers. Um, But then eventually over time, I gravitated towards um, that. It's a good idea to make investments in those relationships for the school year. Um, And so I would find ways to do that. Um, We did what appeared to be random meetups, we called them random, but they're not really random because you have volunteers there. You're planning it. It's not really random. It just feels random. Um, so we did that sometimes. It was okay. Not great. I mean, it, would, it was wonderful for relationships and some students, but then you'd always have some students who missed out and they were disappointed they missed out. Um, so that that was okay. It wasn't the best. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it for relationships and and how um, how it could, could benefit. And like you, Steve, we I would theme summer sometimes, especially when I went later and added a lot to the calendar. When I had the intern and associate, we would um, we would theme them also. Usually around, um, our, usually it was tied to our mission somehow or some discipleship thing um, is what our, what our theme would be. Um, we didn't do summer playlist, so if you're listening to this, you probably could snag summer playlist idea if you're looking for there a theme this summer. <laughs> but, but but if you do, come up with a theme song and send it to us so we can send it to Steve so he can add to his playlist. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. And yeah, and put like copyright Church of the Resurrection. There you go. <laughs> oh, oops! <laughs> Don't listen to Brian. That's what we're saying. No, no, no. It's. Those are not unique ideas, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody else has come up with that ideas as well. So do you, have you all ever done something in the summer or had something that you just loved that you thought was great um, and that you'd want to share? You know, I'll share one I was thinking of that um, that we, we did uh, for a few years was we had a student leadership team, um, but we didn't have it was high school only. Um, we had tried to allow some middle school on it at one time and it just didn't go well. So we stopped that. Um, and, uh, but we wanted to have a way that somebody who was in middle school and thought maybe one day they would want to be on it could start to lean into that identity a little bit and start to figure out what that meant. Um, and so we started these things called leadership labs that we hosted in the summer only. And we would, we would host them probably three or four times in the summer, um, where, we would get all the student leaders current and then anybody who was interested, whoever thought they might want to be on student leadership could come. And we would have a little fun together, eat, um, and then we would do some kind of leadership um, study or game or activity, something that to develop their leadership. Um, and I really loved those. I loved them because they were very relational and impactful. And I loved it because it gave the opportunity for the younger ones to feel like they could start to figure out what it meant to be a part of student leadership and what that looked like. Um, so, I, and it opened the door in ways that we really 
couldn't before. So that was always one of my favorite things. I mean, yeah, camp was great. You know, mission trips, those are great too. I like those, but this was one, one thing that I always really enjoyed um, that we did. So leadership labs, if you're looking for something for the summer with student leaders, that's great. So, yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. How about y'all? Do you got anything that you've done that you really liked or maybe you tried and didn't that was... like that was awful. And like, you're like, don't ever do this. <laughs> That was um, unique versus like mission trips and camps that I feel like we probably all do on some levels. Um, I would say for us too, Brian, student leadership team, they they were more had more responsibilities in the summer than they had diff- during the year. And part of that was because they had more time, but they were in charge of really the Monday, the youth group nights during the summer. So when we did those themed theme nights, they were in charge of those. And then we would build up little teams that took different ones. So a team of three or a team of four, and they would divide up the different nights and their job was to plan it, to help lead it and then help clean it up and do all that piece. Do you hear this? This is, this was really fun, but it just was helpful. One, cause the buy-in for them, right? I didn't always, that was so much, I mean, we just saw so much more momentum from that of their being able to have that and then be able, and then they're creative, a lot more creative, like at release. I'm like, I don't have to come up with all these ideas or a team doesn't. And also because our core adults were off for the summer who probably would have done a lot more of that planning. So they got to be able to do that. And that was their real space. And then they would push me because I have a lower tolerance of risk. Um, I always have to, I always have to, I'm always like with, I had a lawyer, um, one of my adult leaders that always went with us. And oftentimes I'd look at him. I'm like, can you defend this in court? He'd be like, yes. And I'm like, okay, then we can do this. Right. Like, and I know that about myself. Um, so they would always push me, right. They're always like, here's this would be great. I'm like, yes. And we don't want to get sued. So like, I thought that was, I mean, that was always nice because it helped move me probably in a little bit and then probably tempered them some and some of their ideas of what they wanted to do. But um, they would plan and lead most of those. I mean, I would support them and help them, but they really took the lead. That's so interesting. I never used student leaders in the summer that way. Like I always just shut everything. I never even occurred to me to have them do the planning <laughs> in the summer. And now I'm thinking, oh, I should have done that. <laughs> I'm like, I was good. I did enjoy that piece. So ours was always associated with a mission trip. So we would, uh, with our 11th to 12th graders, we would um, have a thing called mission leadership team. And they would meet all year, um, uh, like once a month all year uh, to kind of develop um, leadership skills and uh, and do some other things in terms of a deeper theological dive as well. And then uh, and then their, their reward for being part of that was to go on an international mission trip. And those were always really, really special and unique uh, because we're usually learning about a different culture and meeting new people from a different culture that uh, really enriched our lives. Right. Um, but then their task after that was to plan the high school mission trip. So that these people would actually go on two mission trips um, mm. summer, and then they would be the leadership for the high school mission trip. So they were pretty excited and um and motivated to have a great high school experience too so that was when that was working well it was great um when those two things were um really hand in glove so so that that was one thing the other thing that that we did i don't know if you can pull off anymore um but we used to do a mystery trip um Mm. and take people on a destination unknown right and um but i just don't like parents are too concerned about safety. They need to know where their kids are. Like for this summer, we're finding that not only do parents want to know where their kids are going, they want to know what the lodging is like, like where, where are they sleeping? I, I'd never encountered this before, but this is a, it's like really, really important. Where are they sleeping? What are the conditions that they're sleeping in? I'm like, well, they're going to sleep in beds <laughs> or on air mattresses in a gym. Is that what? Why, why do you need to know that ahead of time? So, so, uh, I don't know if you could pull off a mystery trip because it's, there's too many unknowns and, yeah. and then everybody has their own phone and, or if they're not supposed to have their phone, they sneak it on anyhow and they have GPS so they can figure it out and it wouldn't be nearly as much fun, but yeah, those were good mystery trips were always really good. And then the ones that weren't very good were always really, really bad. Talk about flops. <laughs> Listen, listen, parent, your kid's going to have a bed, they have their sleeping bag, and I'll bring them back yeah. alive. Okay, just relax. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so funny you say that because I have experienced the same thing in the last year or so of ministry, year or two. And I, that's not something I, I just thought it was unique to us, but maybe there's right. Like there's a movement there that I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't expect, but. Hmm. You know, one of the things that, that I think would put people ahead of the game, if they would, if they would take on this challenge is if you would over communicate everything about what there's their young person's going to experience. Um, because you're going to develop trust with the parents that way. You're also doing something. You're not making them look for answers because you've already given it. And um, the, the truth is whenever you go to buy something, the, the best way to get somebody to buy something is to remove everything that they raise a question mark in their head. If you can remove all the question marks from their head, um, anything that might hang them up beforehand, it, it, they're more likely to follow through. I think the same might be true with us if we like communicated that more, you know, better, more fully, maybe it would remove any of those question marks, which then ultimately mm-hmm. removes your headaches from having to answer questions too. Yeah. Um, but I actually think that that might be an opportunity for, for us in, in youth and children's ministry to, to think through that and say, if I was a parent, what is anything out there I might ask? And can I answer that ahead of time? Well, I'm a parent. Sometimes- <laughs> I, I am a parent and I, I didn't, I didn't ask those questions, So I, I mean, I, yeah, so I think the deal is safety. And yeah, that's, you know, since 2000, you know, 9-11, um, 2001, I mean, that's, that's been like the critical piece, right? For parents is this whole idea of safety, but before safety was always, you know, are you, are you making sure that somebody else doesn't get them? Well, now safety means, um, you know, are they, uh, do they feel safe in a situation? Like mm-hmm. they feel safe sleeping, you know, is, is it well supervised is, you know, all of those kinds of things that safety is kind of Uber safety now. Um, yeah. Maybe security would be a better word. You know, do they feel secure and taken care of um, yeah. um, and valued in who they are as a person, you know, no matter who they are as a person. I mean, that's all under the category of safe now. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that's a I think that's a relatively new thing that that I'm that at least I'm encountering and, and redefining as as parents are coming out of COVID and had not sent their kids on overnight ex- experiences and had not done all of these things, then their understanding of safety is is different than it was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that's a shift. And not, I mean, there's some goodness there in that shift, but for us just to be aware of it and to be able to communicate it. Cause I find at times I don't, there are things maybe I miss communicating because it seems like a no brainer to me. Well, of course that that's how that works. Right. Cause I have the inside information and they don't have that. Um, so one of the tools I learned is letting someone else read it that mm-hmm. doesn't know much about the event and then ask questions because I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, you might. I mean, like, that seems like no big deal to me, but because I know the information is helpful of being able to communicate that. But yeah, I do think that's a different, different way of communicating and different things we're going to have to communicate that we haven't done that way in the past. Am I hearing you say that you want to get the most worried, worried parent, the one who's going to worry the most and give them your stuff ahead of time and let them look at it? Let them look at it, right? (laughs) Well, I'm not sure I have done it like that, but I do think there's probably some goodness there, right? Someone that you, um, to be able to say, I mean, I have friends that do that, but maybe that's next, Brian. (laughs) Yeah. When it comes to lodging, um, typically I know where we're going and where we're staying, but it's the, it's the, it's the travel on the way. And so we have one experience that's going to be going to take us a few days to get there. So it's the, it's that interim stay. So I hadn't lined that up yet. Um, still haven't. Mm. And, uh, and it'll be a church someplace that we get out air mattresses and sleep on the floor, some, you know, in classrooms or whatever. Um, but I haven't lined that up. So I actually can't even communicate that yet. So what mm. I'm is, is that uh, I need, that needs to be an early, I need to have that on the schedule and lined up and booked so that I can tell parents, yeah, this is where they're staying, what it's going to look like. I wonder, could you, in that scenario, put together parameters? And so like, even if you can't say this is the exact setting, 
you, you know, you say it's going to be a church and they're going to say, well, how many kids are going to be in a room? Or how many adults? And well, I can't tell you the number of kids are going to be in a room, but what I can tell you is we're going to have a ratio of this. We're, we're yeah. going to make sure these, like, could you just lay out some parameters that might be helpful in any scenario that you're going to follow? Um, maybe, I don't know. That may not help, but it may alleviate some of the tension. I just think there's a real opportunity there. That's what I learned in the last ministry I was at, that if you communicate more that you're going to take care of their kid and you're going to do everything you can to keep them safe, that the parents are going to engage more with you and be more likely that their kids. I mean, that's what I, I sort of discovered by accident, you know, um, and uh, that was the whole reason why I even had a handbook. (laughs) I didn't, it wasn't for any other reason other than I could give it to a parent and they felt good about it. And that, that was really it. Um, So I do think there's a lot there. I mean, like when we work with churches and youth and children's ministers and parents, when, when they're having trust issues with a children's or youth minister, most of the time what they say is we just never know what's going on. I don't have the information. Um, And that adds to a lack of trust. And then other things that, you know, there's a ripple effect there of that kind, that kind of stuff. So I think there is something to being able to communicate it on the front end and communicate that shift. So what are we communicating that shifted? So, yeah. So, so to keep us moving, I, I would say, I think if they haven't, if you haven't put out your summer calendar yet, or you're not done with it, get that done ASAP. I think this, this uh, episode is probably, it's probably May by the time you're hearing this episode or close to it. Um, so I hope that you have published what you're doing and published this information. If not get, get on that, get that done this week. <laughs> And get it out there um, so that people have it. Um, and uh, and I think all of us on, on here would also recommend that you have published any of your major dates, at least long before, um, long before May. Um, so as soon as you know, summer camp or mission trips for 2023, get those dates out there as soon as you know them. Um, so, so what, what, um, as you think about putting together uh, summer ministry for somebody in, let's say, a small to mid-sized church. Um, what are some things you think they need to to do to have a successful summer this year? I mean, clearly we say communication is important, um, but is there any other things you would recommend that that, may, that you might think through um, for them to consider um, to have a good summer? So they don't say trepidation or whatever that word was, and they say it was a great summer. <laughs> Which I like that word, by the way, Steve. I'm not dog on that word. I like the word. <laughs> yeah. I think a couple of events, right? The kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, Brian, about how you started the church, you know, two or three events over the summer that uh, that you focus on and, um, and try to get as many people out to. Um, and if you're a little bit larger, uh, going to what Kirsten was saying, you know, something that's uh, on a on a rotation where people can count on it, but it's different every week. So if you meet on Monday night or Wednesday or Sunday, then, you know, make sure you're doing something on that night on a regular basis. Um, you know, but know your culture and know when your families are going to be in town, when they're going to be out of town. Um, you know, your culture may mean that like uh, for the first two weeks in July, nobody's in town. Everybody's gone. Um, or it may mean that everybody's there. That's when they're they're there. So knowing that and when you can really um, have something where um, you have your most likely um, chance of uh, good attendance would be great. And then the follow up with individuals too, I think is is critical too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you say follow up with individuals, Steve, what do you mean? Like, are you thinking? If you were in that role, phone calls, text messages, or in meetups, places like what, when you say that, what is it you're thinking? Yeah, you have to. I mean, um, again, safety is important, and your uh, your policies that protect your students, uh, your youth, um, you need to pay attention to those too. So, like your one-on-one meetups are kind of uh, a little bit more difficult in most contexts. Um, again, depending on what your rules are, um, but um, you know, a group meetups at a, at a ice cream place is, is a, is a great time just to kick back and catch up with people. If you have a budget that you can buy everybody an ice cream cone, then then that's, that's even better. So, so those kinds of things, I think, um, you know, sometimes texting again is, uh, difficult with, um, 
your policies. Um, so you have to navigate that well. So, yeah. I think that one of the things that I have learned in the last couple summers um, serving in a smaller church is that once we would go on a trip, usually we would, I would naturally like take the next week off because we had been together so long. And I realized that's a missed opportunity mm. that as they had been together that next week, they really wanted to be together. Mm-hmm. And so to plan some of those things afterwards, I'm like, I'm tired. And our adults are tired, but they have a renewed energy to be together. So like this summer, um, we're taking a summer trip and we're going to be gone Thursday to Sunday. And we're not meeting the Monday before because we have the Thursday, Sunday, but we are meeting the Monday after. So like I had in previous summers, we would have taken the Monday after off because we had just been on this trip together. And what I have learned is how can I ask the question, how can I leverage that relational momentum? And so then also then thinking about our calendar the next month after, or particularly the next two or three weeks, I don't, I want to continue that so that that momentum continues. And so I plan it very differently than what I would have planned in a different context. That is probably the one takeaway. And the other one I would say is give yourself the freedom to live in the different vibe of summer. Like it's a little more relaxed, it's more relational, it's more laid back, all of those things. So your youth ministry can shift and look different. And therefore, then it looks different in the fall. So I think, Brian, you had alluded earlier that sometimes you you would get bored of it. And I think students and families get bored of it too. And so the summer provides a space to be creative and for it to look differently. So then they're ready for what the regular fall looks like, or kind of a couple of things that I have learned even in the last couple of years of youth ministry. Yeah. And I, I just kind of jumping off of uh, taking time off, I, I've always felt like the thing that um, youth ministers need to do, especially if you're full time doing this, is uh, look towards after Labor Day to take one or two weeks off mm. because you, you do have this little bit of a gauntlet, but it's a different pace, right? It's more relational. It's more laid back. It's not like I'm. Uh, yeah, there's all sorts of things about it that that creates a different environment in terms of how you find relaxing time and how you kind of characterize that. So it's not, I mean, it could feel like a gauntlet, right? If you put a lot of pressure on yourself, but if you just enjoy it, um, then it only, um, it's only a gauntlet in the fact that you're not like taking personal time away. Um, the best time to do it is after you launch your fall and, uh, and after Labor Day, take one or two weeks after Labor Day, everything's rolling. You've got momentum. You can go back and relax and uh, and know, oh, this is good, and uh, and really reflect on a, on a great summer and a great launch to your fall. Um, that's what I and I, I know not everybody's wired the way I am, um, so that could be imposing for some people. Um, so if you, if you're not like me, then you would probably want to like squirrel away a few few hours or a few days during the summertime, but it's difficult to do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. My, my one was very similar, Steve, and to both of you. Um, I, I think you need to talk to your family. If you haven't included your family and you're planning your summer calendar, you need to do that. <laughs> you need to make mm-hmm. sure that um, you've got time for your family um, in the summer. And I would do that first before you um, really hammered out the church stuff if you can. Um, so yeah, I, Schedule time off for yourself, downtime. Um, Steve, I always took time off, but actually did mine in August. Um, the way my calendar lined up, we, we would sort of VBS was like the last big thing, which was the end of July. And then we might have one little thing at the first week in August, but then school started, you know, like the third week in August. And so I would basically try to take off the very beginning of August um, and just lay low before I fit, went into the fall. But either way, it's the same thing, just getting that breathing space, um, there was, was good for me. Um, the other thing that I always thought summer ministry was great for, um, was to explore things that you can't normally do that you might be able to try with a smaller group of people. Uh, cause I think for a lot of ministries, maybe it's not true for yours, but for a lot of ministries, I've experienced that, uh, the attendance is lower in the summer than it is in the school year, um, in general. Um, and it was a lot of the same students, but not always, um, and so I would always try new things. I, that would be the time I'd experiment with something and see how they respond before I opened it up into 
the school year. So I would see it as a little bit of um, experimentation. Um, but then the last thing, the summer is a great time to get students talking to other students they wouldn't normally talk to. Um, and so I, everything I did was in the summer, I would try to make space for a seventh grader from one school to talk to an eighth grader at another school that they would never talk to. Um, particularly if you're, a, if you have stu pulling students from multiple schools, they may not engage with them um, because if you can get them to build those relationships in the summer, I found that actually very helpful in the school year um, that when, when you got into the school year. So, you know, if that meant, you know, forcing them to break up into groups and then mixing their groups up and they don't like it and they complain, uh, but then they end up loving it in the end and that was okay. Um, but I always, always tried to get them to cross, you know, cross boundaries, if you will, I guess, and to engage with the other people um, was what, what I always tried to do. And I always loved that part. Uh, friends, we hope that's helped you um, as you're thinking about your, your summer ministry. Um, and uh, I hope you have fun this summer. Like uh, truthfully, yes, it, it's tiring and exhausting, but man, I always think I had the most fun, um, most fun in, in the summer ministry. Um, and don't forget to buy yourself snacks for those trips and you can hide them in your book bag. It's okay that you hide some extra snacks for yourself. You're allowed to do that. So um, there's a lot of freedom when I started doing that. Um, so don't be afraid to do that. Uh, did you all buy yourself snacks? Am I the only one that did this? That hit no, snacks for yourself? We, we did snacks, but like when we did, this is always fun. When we did our adult leaders, I would ask them what was their favorite snacks. And so oh. I would buy bags and drinks, get everyone's favorite. And then we divided it up. So you got a big bag of snacks just for the adults. Um, that was a combination of everyone's favorite stuff. So that, and it would label adult bag and have their name on it. Um, and they would get a big old bag. And then they had a cooler that just had a, for a, I say adult drinks, but it was soda and water. Let's <laughs> adult drinks. The students knew that they were not in the adult <laughs> cooler or, I mean, a lot of times adults would give out their snacks because they, they got so many, but yes, they had their own bag. They would get their snacks in there. So, so we did get to enjoy everyone's favorite. So I did enjoy snacks. <laughs> so there you go. I heard that idea this week as well, but, uh, but the way I heard it is somebody did a Google form mm. and asked, the people who went on their trips to list the the five things, their five favorite things that they like to have. Um, and so they, they would, and then, um, then they would, you know, have those things available to them. That's excellent. And now you've just made me feel guilty for all the years that I did not do that for my leaders. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great idea. You should do that. Idea. Yes. I don't know why I never did that. So do that, buy yourself some snacks and buy your leader some snacks <laughs> because those are always helpful, particularly when you've had a meltdown in the middle of the week. So I'm like, yes, I'm like, I'm asking a lot of you. So I want you to have some good moments of eating your favorite candy and drink. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, friends, we hope you love your summer ministry. And at the end of you said it was great. And, uh, and you're thankful that you had it. And summer ministry can be a lot of fun. And uh, until next time, friends, we hope you help helped you make sense of this thing we call ministry. For more information regarding coaching, consulting, job placement, and online courses, join us at yminstitute.com.